Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. And uh, this is episode 124. I feel like uh, it's interesting. We, we don't do interviews on this podcast, but occasionally we'll bring some friends on to talk about and answer some questions from our listeners, right? Mm-hmm. And Rob, I don't think we shared this with you last time, but a long, long time ago, like three years ago, we were your very first podcast guest on yes. the Robcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you were at our live event in LA last year. And so you were technically our first guest on the Minimalist podcast. And now here's another first. You are the first repeat guest on, on the podcast. We've had, yes. several, <laughs> we've had several guests yes. since then. And here's another first. This yes. is the first time we've had two guests on the podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're here today with Rob Bell and Andrew Morgan. We're here to talk about, well, we're going to answer some questions. We can talk about religion. We can talk about spirituality. We can talk about the nature of the universe. And we can talk about their new film. It's called The Heretic. And I was fortunate enough, Ryan was gone in Seattle uh, this past week with our documentary showing it to some folks up there. But I got to go to the premiere and uh, I saw the film. And I'll tell you, it's if you put Rob Bell on a stage with a microphone, he can talk, right? I mean, we've been to some yeah. of his two-day events and he'll just... He'll just maunder on in a very articulate way for nine and a half hours with appropriate breaks in between to eat tacos. <laughs> and it's the first time I've ever seen you speechless. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah well. so after the... the so. Uh, there's this new film. It's called The Heretic, and Andrew, you you do, you, you directed the documentary, and Rob, you had it's about Rob's sort of journey and uh, the sort of transition into a, a new life, um, and it was the first time you saw it, Rob, and you got up on stage, and I'm like, what's going on? There's a malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> Rob must be resetting. <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, for those of you who are uh, uninformed, um, uh, if we want to make it, uh, if we want to give some backstory here, so so Rob, you used to you founded a um, a mega church, uh, for lack of a better term, a large church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, once upon a time, and uh, then a few years ago, back in 2011, you wrote a book called Love Wins, and um, which I thought, you know, the the there was this trailer for, for the for the book about. It, questioning whether or not Gandhi went to hell, and um, it seemed rather anodyne to me, but uh, this stirred up quite a bit of controversy, and I think uh, mostly amongst people who probably didn't read the book. Mm. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I, it feels like you 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 moved in this other direction, and so I think today we can talk a little bit about maybe changing directions. We've got some questions about that, some people struggling with with some stuff there. Um, but Andrew, if if you, you you described Rob that night on stage, right? You were doing a Q and A after the um, after the event. You you described him. Let me let me see here as the least cynical person that you've ever met. <laughs> and I thought that was like that that was the 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 perfect description. Uh, just knowing Rob, um, 
And Rob, you've actually written – as soon as you said that, I'm like, I know Rob has written about cynicism somewhere. I've got to figure out what, what he said about cynicism at one point in time. So a couple books ago, um, a book called How to Be Here, uh, this is what, what you wrote, Rob, about, um, about cynicism. He said, cynicism says there is, there's nothing new to make here. Often, cynicism presents itself as a wisdom, but it usually comes from a wound. Cynicism holds things at a distance analyzing and mocking and noting all the possibilities for failure. Pain causes cynics to cr critique and ridicule because there aren't any risks in doing that. If you hold something at a distance and make fun of it, then it can't hurt you. Mm. And I think this new film's sort of about that in a way. <coughs> uh, and it embrace this term heretic. Mm. Why'd you decide to name the film The Heretic? <laughs> Well, I think for a lot of people, um, there's a feeling of being alone if they grew up in any kind of tradition, tribe, group, uh, system that sort of gave them a way to understand the world that was smaller than their lived experience turned out to be. So a lot of people, whether it's religion or politics or anything really, a lot of people were born into some kind of code, you know, some kind of system where it was like, here's the way we see this, 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 and this. And a lot of times for a lot of us, we grew out of that. We grew away from that. We, we started having our own experiences and we were made to feel crazy if we questioned that. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that's true for anyone in any environment. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things that's inspiring about L Rob's work and, and his life that I wanted to really uh, make note of for people was that that is not, it, it really is not, crazy you're not alone you're not the first if you are having experiences that are causing you to question to challenge to push back on any sort of status quo hmm. um, and then aside from that it's just a ridiculous term that i think's funny and ill-fitting for rob so it's like <laughs> let's go there first you know before um anyone else does well, well and but although other people ha had gone there um but but um, not not from your perspective but from from a, a perspective of trying to to tear someone down right um and and rob i could tell on stage it was the first time i'd also seen you uncomfortable I mean, you were still like sort of sitting and and and, and musing over the the title of of the film can you talk about that <laughs> well the film was andrew's idea he yeah. came to Kristen and i my wife and he was like i would i want to follow you around and film what you do but i don't know what the film would be so I just, he's like, I just want to capture it and see if, if something emerges. So you'll have no creative control, no approval, no editing. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, that, that was all very clear. And to me, that's the only way to do it is if you're going to go in go the whole way. Like I love that, man. if you're going to do it, then take, so I really respect Andrew's work as a person and as, as a filmmaker. So then just turn, just, Okay. So I mean, so he started. He started. He would film things, and I don't know. Maybe a year in, I remember I would say things like, "Are you still making that film?" I mean, it got like two <laughs> years in. <laughs> so, uh, what you saw is I hadn't seen anything. So I came to the premiere and watched it with everybody else. Like Kristen and I and the kids just sat in whatever the third row, and I watched it. I was watching it for the first time. What'd your kids say? Because it's this beautiful like time capsule of uh, there, there's certainly uh, some some struggle and some some issues and I mean it starts off with with sort of the 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 struggle and and 
<laughs> using some clips from some 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 people who uh, let's just say disagree with Rob. Uh, <laughs> it was actually the strangest thing to me. I remember my partner Rebecca and I went to go see you in Spokane. We were living in Missoula. Oh yeah, the everything is spiritual tour. Yeah, yeah, and we went to go see you there, and um, there were people out front with megaphones, and I'm like. What the hell are they doing here? Like, who else is here that they're? Why are they protesting someone? <laughs> Megaphones and like whatever the the modern equivalent of a soapbox is, and I think it's actually still a soapbox. They just <laughs> they still have the soapboxes. Hasn't changed in so long. <laughs> no, and, and they're like holding up signs, and I'm like, who are they here for? Because I'm here to see Rob Bell talk about everything is spiritual, like and love and grace and <laughs> peacemaking and nonviolence. Yeah, and they're like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too angry for that stuff. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Oh. Yeah, so I, I, I genuinely, when the film was over, it was, it, uh, it was overwhelming. Mm. Yeah, so it was not the best time. So I was like, sort of, whoa, that was actually like five minutes into the movie. I leaned over to Kristen and I was like, I think this is really good. <laughs> it's just a very surreal feeling. It's very surreal. Also. Yeah. How, how, how did your kids react to it? Oh, they're so cool. They 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 really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They uh they're just I don't know, they were just boring cool. <laughs> they just sort of they just sort of keep even keel. Well, but yeah, they liked it. All right. Well, I think we uh we have some questions here today. If we can go ahead and dive in and I think it'll be some good jump off points for us to talk about everything that we're going to talk about today. Our first question is from Claudia in Italy. What is the minimalist take on religion like um is it a simple religion that you follow or um yeah that that is really my question like what is your take on religion do you think it's uh pointless or uh does it really align with uh the values that you have uh that would be my question so thank you Ryan, what, what is a minimalist take on religion? I, I think it's hard for you and I to agree on religion or spirituality. I mean, that question is almost like asking, you know, what is the Christian take on religion? Or what is the Muslim take on religion? What is the human take on gravity? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Man. Yeah, what's your opinion on gravity, Ryan? <laughs> uh, I have a theory. <laughs> <laughs> No, man. I, um, you know, there are two things we don't talk about on this show, and that's religion and politics. <laughs> because Josh and I differ so much in it. But uh, I was I was telling Rob before uh, the, the show here how this is like, I, I really kind of like using this show as an excuse to kind of talk a little bit about religion. Because, uh, you know, you and I, Josh, we do have two completely different beliefs. But what what I really think that uh, people can take away from our beliefs is that even though we do have different beliefs, we still have a very awesome friendship. We have a very awesome business. Uh, we are able to you know talk to um, and and bring a crowd of people who are Christians, Jewish, atheists, Muslim, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a very uh, diverse crowd and and i think i think maybe we could talk about it a little bit i like what you said earlier rob when i brought up religion you said no 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 let's not talk about religion you said uh what, what did you say let's talk about well what is the nature of reality what yeah. kind of world are we living in so you can say that you have very different beliefs but if i watch you closely over the past couple of years you all actually have very very similar beliefs hmm. that many people when they say beliefs what they're talking about is intellectual furniture how is your cognitive hardware arranged? 
which is just intellectual assent. What do you in your rational capacities agree with or disagree with? Yeah. But there's actually the place that you live from. There's actually a much deeper seat of the being. The Greeks refer to the splankton, which is like the, the bowels, the seat of the guts, which is the place from which you actually live. Hmm. And the, the two of you actually, if you've, <laughs> if you've spent hundreds and hundreds of days on the road together and you've built a business and you spend hours together, there's great mutual love and trust and respect between you, then how you actually live is your beliefs are actually closely aligned. Yeah, I think I think certainly our values are aligned. I think we're maybe using the terms differently, whether yes. it's beliefs or, or values. Ryan and I have similar values. And I think that's why it works. Like maybe we don't even use the word beliefs here. We, we have different personalities for sure. You know, yeah. Ryan's the extreme extrovert. I'm an introvert. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know, we have different sort of political beliefs. We voted for two different people in the last election. Oh my God. <laughs> There were more than two people to vote for. That, but it's, that's but it's also true. That, but it's often the case that when people are talking about beliefs, um, oftentimes underneath whatever those surface categories and labels are, mm -hmm. there is great agreement and bonds and convictions that are very, very similar. Yeah. So that's why I always, I, I always want to poke that bubble with people with like, wait, 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 what are you talking about? Because underneath the surface, lots of people that would appear to be different mm. are actually much close, more closely aligned. So the yeah. surface can be manufactured by yeah, absolutely geography yeah. or by the, the community that you were, you were yeah. raised in. Media, religion, yeah. authority figures, etc. Social media. Well, uh, no, I was just gonna say, like when I read this question, I was thinking about, I was thinking about like how I grew up viewing religion. So uh, I was raised Jehovah's Witness, as uh, I talked about with you on my la on yeah. <laughs> my last podcast, on your podcast, on my first podcast, <laughs> yeah, on your first <laughs> podcast. Um, and what's to me like when I think about how I was raised um, as a Jehovah's Witness? Here, here's the narrative: It is um, you, Ryan Nicodemus. You're imperfect. Uh, Jesus died for your sins. Um, in order for you to to be saved, you have to uh, you have to follow these rules. Um, you have to get baptized in Jesus's name, so then that way He can forgive you for your sins. And that's that is um, that's the main narrative. There 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 was nothing in uh, that I was taught growing up with uh, things like the environment, right, right, or right. things like um, finances. Mm. Right. Or, I mean, there was a time when Jehovah's Witnesses, they were, it was in the early 80s, like late 70s, they were predicting the end of the world. And these these um, sheep were, and I'm not using that pejoratively, I'm just, you know, these people who were, you know, they're, 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 they are doing what they feel is right, they're going out and they, they literally just got these huge loans and like just accumulated all this debt. Because they were like, oh, the end of the world's coming. You, I mean, in fact, the people within your tribe growing up, I mean, you absolutely. Were, this is, this is, I mean, I think this is tantamount to, to child abuse to a certain extent. You were told, you, you don't worry about college because you're never going to oh, make yeah. it to 18 years old. Oh, when I was 25 years think old. Think how that sets a child up. Yeah. I, I went to my boss at 25 and I was like, hey, our company pays for schooling. I want to go to college. Like, can you help me out? And she was like, she looked at me like, no one ever sat down with you and taught you how to like, approach a college i'm like no i have no idea what to do and it's mm. and it is because of that but but where i'm going with this is you know the thing that really frustrates me about that upbringing is that 
let me unpack this this statement. I got to preface it because it's going to sound really bad. But this 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 thing of um, pray to God and rely on God for everything. That to me used to be my saving grace. Like to me, that was like that 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 thought of God will take care of it. I don't need to worry about it. I love God. God loves me, and I know because of that that I can pretty much judge anyone I want to judge. <laughs> I can project any, you know, anger that I have towards these people that I'm judging and God's got my back. The other thing too is that it absolved me from any responsibility for things like the environment. Meaning my my thought was I don't have to worry about the environment cuz Jesus, he's going to come back. He's going to wave his his magic hands mm. and he's going to make everything better. So why would I care about the environment? Mm. And to me, um well there's literally uh it, do I got it written down here? Uh, Revelation eleven eighteen, where it talks about God ruining, destroying the people who are ruining the earth, and and that and that scripture as and the only reason I know that scripture is because of being a Jehovah's Witness because they do, um, they do such a good job of of using the Bible, but the, I guess there are things like that that stand out to me that really started to make me question, uh, my where I was putting all of my beliefs. And I, and I guess where I stand now, and I would be interested to see what you think about this, where I stand now, or I guess where I, where I kind of, it's not even where I stand. It's where I, it's where I like am kind of settled right now, but I'm totally open to changing this. But I feel like there are times in my life this morning, I'm driving to work and I'm like, I'm praying. Like, I really want this to be an awesome podcast. Like help me, help me to please make this an awesome podcast. If you're up there and you're listening, help me to make this an awesome podcast. There are other times in my life where I feel like I need to take an atheist point of view because I feel like putting everything on God and not trying to figure out something myself first is kind of lazy. It's kind of... Um, Immature and childish. Yes. So it, it now, there are so many times in life where I get to a point where, yeah, I try and can't do it. And then, and then yeah, I've got to look somewhere else. Um, it's, it's, uh, I'm not trying to say that I am an atheist. Um, in fact, I am, I would say I'm a believer and it's because of your book, Love Wins, that even made it possible for me to have this belief. Um, because this is such a crazy, I mean, me saying this out loud, it sounds really (laughs) radical and weird. And, uh, uh, I, I don't know if there's anyone else out there who like agrees with me on this, but it doesn't matter because this is, it does come from a very loving spot. It does come from uh, me being very genuine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 happy to share it, even though it sounds nuts. Am I crazy? What do you think? No, thank you. Uh, first off, I think you speak <laughs> for millions of people. Thank you. Uh, I'm so sorry you had that. It's as if the point is that we would wake up and grow up. Mm. We would grow up in our awareness of who we are and what we're doing here. That we would wake up and see our infinite connections with ourselves, with each other, with the earth, with the entire cosmos. And what you were describing is a, a giant religious machine that was impotent when it comes to the transformation of the human heart. Mm. It gave you rules, customs, rituals, fears, interpretations mm. of Revelation 11. Yeah. But what it seemed to fall completely short in is actually helping transform your heart. Mm. help you be more Ryan, yeah. which is the only interesting thing. Um, to me, at least. Because the, <laughs> the, the most true, full Ryan 
is what the world needs the most of. Mm. So even going back to when people start twitching about religion, I immediately say, what in your life has no other purpose than to help grow you up, wake you up, and transform your heart? Because mm. I don't think the business world is that. I don't think academics. I don't know if entertainment has that. Mm. And historically, what happened is lots of people tossed out primitive, barbaric, awful, end-of-the-world sort of religion, which they should have. Mm. But the process is they threw out an entire dimension of life, which historically its point was to help transform you, help shape you and, and grow you. Um, There's a scene in, in the film, in The Heretic, with uh, with, with, with Pete Holmes, um, and he's talking about like, uh, it's a, it's a pretty funny me metaphor, and I'll, I'll butcher it, but he's basically talking about getting rid of the ottoman that you didn't want in your house. <laughs> That's not the interesting thing. The interesting thing is is sort of sitting there with that empty space and figuring out what you're going to fill it with. And yeah. I think what you're talking about is is jettisoning the 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 not useful or damaging side of what we've been given. But then what do we what do we, then what do we fill it with? Do we just have this void, whether you call that a spiritual void or or just a life right. void in general? Um, uh, who's teaching us how to live a meaningful life now? Right, right. And you think about uh, we're at an emergency level with the environment. Yeah. So we need millions and millions and millions of people to wake up and grow in awareness to our endless connections with the soil. Mm. And that will require an opening at a deep spiritual level. It may have economic dimensions. It'll have like, hey, there is no planet B. I mean, there's like a fear, terror. You can show all the movies you want. But at some deep level, that is a spiritual question that lurks mm. underneath everything. And to deny that dimension of it, you'll never actually get at the thing. You have to tap into a deep sense of stewardship and responsibility that comes... And those are all spiritual matters. And in the modern world, a lot of times, like TED Talks, don't know what to do with spirit because it can't be proven on a spreadsheet. It can't be tested in a lab. But spirit, mm -hmm. that which is inaccessible through the five senses and yet is more real than that which you can hold in your hand, mm -hmm. is the giant... Um, for many people, it's been the elephant in the room. Well, we can't talk about spiritual things. Well, you're going to have to at yeah, some point. Eventually. But that's like also the great opportunity that we're living in. That's what's so inspiring about being alive right now. It's like <clears throat> we've spent the last decade or two decades basically deconstructing a lot of our institutional systems, our institutional beliefs. So that's not just religion. That's, you know, you think about our belief in any kind of institution. It's just decline, decline, decline. Like it's almost like we're living in a world that was built uh, half a century ago in a lot of ways. Like we're still playing out the end of a story that was yeah. started. And we know we need to transition to a new one, but we don't know how to get there. So to your point, I think like there's millions of people who are in that place with religion or with anything where you're like, okay, that stuff didn't work, you know, to your point, Ryan, like that, right. that crazy shit didn't work at all. Right. Did a lot of damage. <laughs> but, but what's left in that void when there's no, no together thinking, when there's no ability to look beyond, as Rob says, the five senses and mm -hmm. figure out like, what is happening? Like, you ever wake up and you're just kind of like, really like, does this mean anything or does it mean nothing? Yeah. yeah. And if it's possible that it means something, then maybe we need to start figuring out what it looks like to tell a story that leads us where we want to go and not just into these dead ends, you know? And that, that yeah. like what you're describing, Josh, is like 
we are in that transition. We are literally in a turning point in human history. Yeah. And you can feel it. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And think about your path. You grew up in this narrow, bonkers, <laughs> to use a technical <laughs> theological term, yeah. I'm not, bonkers. This, this is not offense to any Jehovah's Witnesses no. listening out there. It's... At, yeah. Nothing but love, but you described something that had some damaging effects. Sure. But then you turned around and you've given these big, vibrant energies of yours. I mean, I went to that when I went to that year event in LA. It was like a big living room. It was all of these people coming <laughs> awesome. together in the name of human community and solidarity to ask questions and talk about meaningful lives. Yeah. So, so you have in many ways, it's like you're writing a wrong. Well, you know what's funny, man, is I as a Jehovah's Witness. You know what my conversion rate was, Rob? <laughs> so wait, you you went door to door, door every to door weekend. every weekend, knocking on wow. doors. Isn't, wait, isn't this, and, this fascinating? And now you're going venue to venue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except we're not trying to convert anyone, right? Um, right. I, I, mean, it, I think we're trying to share a recipe, and I, th I think that's what what's different now. Yes. Um, yeah. Where it's not like you must live the same way I live. It's hey, here's a template that's worked for me. A recipe that's worked for me. I don't hope you use the same recipe. In fact, I think it's going to be difficult for you to, but maybe there's a few ingredients in that recipe you can tweeze out, you can apply to your own life, yes. you can, you know, you can add your own ingredients for taste and then and you have your own recipe for a more meaningful yeah. life because my life life looks different from his, from yours, from yours and, and the the reason that I think it resonates is one of the things that you guys were talking about with the film is it's quite often about asking questions uh, more so than it is giving answers, mm. right? You, you said Ryan grew up with essentially an instruction manual on, on how he's supposed to live. Um, and instead of us giving people, an, we're not prescriptive in that way. It's, it's saying, hey, wh what are the questions? How might my life be better with less is, is much more meaningful than here are the 30 items you're supposed to own in your collection of whatever to be happy. Mm -hmm. right? Well, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the why to behind why, uh, uh, living a meaningful life. I think that's what we do a really good job of. But going back to my conversion rate. So um, let, me, <laughs> let, let me say it another way. Uh, I didn't save one, one life when I was uh, one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, now uh, my conversion rate is still zero. Um, but I can't tell you how many people have come up to me in line. They're like, dude, you don't know me. I feel like you're my best friend mm. <laughs> and you saved my life. And if it was just one person who told me that it would make it all worth it. But that, I mean, literally that is the reason why I continue to do it. And I'll tell you, man, I have my two biggest fears of doing this. My two biggest fears. The first one is, is that people start to think that Josh and I are like Jesus Christ or something like that really freaks me out. The second fear is, is that being raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, I was told that if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, well, you're being influenced by Satan, the devil. So like I, I, a lot, I have to look in the mirror and be like, dude, are you the devil? Like, are you being influenced by Satan? Like, I really have to face that. And I'll tell you, because of the events, because of what you witnessed, I, I, there's no way I can be doing wrong. And if I am, then... Then, then I guess I disagree with whoever thinks that what I'm doing is wrong, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. So for me, I guess when it comes to minimalist religion, I guess uh, there, isn't, there isn't one religion that Josh or I will ever say, hey, this is the one religion that, that, you should, that you should have or these are the beliefs that you should have. I think for me, it's about what, what is it that my, my heart and my mind tell me are good morals? Like, what is it that makes me feel guilty? Because I hate feeling guilty. So whatever makes me feel guilty, I don't do that. And whatever makes me feel like I am 
being a genuine person and adding a lot of value to other people's lives, then I do that. So for anyone out there who's, you know, confused on religion, I would say start there and then maybe start to pick and choose what tribes you want to maybe be involved with. If there's a tribe at all that you want to be involved with. Andrew, I feel like the, this making this film was a bit of a search for you or maybe the beginning and then the process of a search. Um, during the Q&A the other night, you were talking about how it was in, in one way sort of your most personal film, even though it's about Rob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was almost like you were searching you know, by proxy, right? And, and you had this, this proxy of, 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 um, of change, of asking different questions, questions that maybe you weren't used to. Can you talk a little bit about that, that search for you? Because it sounds to me like that's what Claudia is asking here. She's, she's yeah. also searching. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that was that was the thing for me when I met Rob. I had I had come from a background that was very um, conservative, um, very um, evangelical. Um, I'd grown away from a lot of that, and so I think when I met Rob, I was really interested in the things he was talking about because it it was fascinating to me just on like a personal level. You know, like it it was a it was a totally different way to approach some of these ideas, um, and that was super 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 interesting to me. And then also, I think uh, I, I think for me, like I, I'm just super, super interested, and this is why I, I really respect the work you guys are doing. I, I'm very interested in the ways that the stories that we believe and the stories that we're telling uh, really are sh- shaping and defining our world. And I think I had come through a period. Um, I had told some stories before this. I had done some work that was much more just on the general, like journalistic awareness. Like there are some emergencies happening on planet Earth, and if we can just get more people to know about them, then we'll inevitably create a better world. And I had sort of bumped up against the edge of that. So for me, it was like I'd sort of put religion, I'd kind of put that stuff behind me. I'd sort of lean fully into this idea of there are things happening, there is suffering, there are there are issues in front of me that I can do something about. And I think what made it interesting again was this subtle sense of, wait, how does the whole thing move forward? Mm. And what is holding it back? So both on a very personal standpoint, what does it take for human beings to wake up? Like we haven't figured out how to forgive Mm. our enemies. Mm -mm. We can't seem to get endless war and violence (laughs) out of circulation. Um, and, And so maybe there are tools buried in some of these traditions that could help us right now. So both on an, on an individual basis, maybe there are tools that can help me make sense of the life that I find myself living. And then collectively, maybe if we're serious about moving forward, maybe if we're serious about building a more just, more humane future up ahead, then we need to stop just putting band-aids on. We need to start looking at what are the root causes. And certainly for me living in America, I don't think you can take, I, I don't think you can, understand this country this context this moment we're living in without taking seriously the impact that religion has had and you could argue for mm. the for the worse for the better irrelevant to me it has a stranglehold on our collective moral imagination and so for me if that were, just became really interesting if you were to, if you were to walk down the street maybe not in LA but if you were to walk down the street uh, there are and ask 10 people did, was Noah's ark a real event is was it a real historical event 60% of the people will say yes hmm. so to me that it, it, it's to your point of, of how strong 
of a hold religion has. Well, and, and again, this isn't a, 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 this isn't for or against religion. We're yes. just talking about what it is. Yes, right. Right. I, th I think what Rob would say is you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, sorry, it's uh, a pretty good question. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was that was the other thing that happened is you know we 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 started making this film in 2015 and then 2016 rolled around and and we had an election mm -hmm. and it was like we watched as all the knobs got turned up and and it was like religion came to the surface again. Yeah. Again, mm -hmm. for better or worse. If you if you started noticing, and I was noticing just because I, I happened to be making a film, so I was watching the news in a different way. I was, and as I listened to the vocabulary, as I listened to the examples we use, as I, I listened to like our collective touchstones, you know, like mm -hmm. they are rooted in these traditions and this yeah. one tradition in particular. So I think it it instantly was like, oh, this isn't ancillary. Yeah. This cuts to the heart of this thing that we're doing. My favorite line in the in the heretic about religion, I think it was Pete Holmes, uh he said, "Oh man, I'm going to butcher this. Help me help me uh help me get this line right." But it it's he said something along the lines of um if you really want to know like, you know, if you have the right religion or not, like look at uh, look at what you use your religion for. I know I'm like mm -hmm. paraphrasing this and butchering it, but it was about What does it make you do? What does it make you do? Does your religion is it divisive? Is it is it is it oh that's what it was. Is it does your religion exclude you or does it or does it include everyone? Mm -hmm. And and to me like that is um is Pete, or Pete, Rollins? Pete Rollins I believe. Pete Rollins. Too many Pete's in the Yeah, film. too many Pete's. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and, and yeah, but uh, uh, that to me, like that is the... Can you say that again with an Irish accent? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I do an Irish accent, it, it comes across as like... Eastern European. Yeah, I don't know why, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, for, again, for, for Claudia here, you know, that's that's the question that I ask myself, like with any religion, anyone who's trying to, 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 because people come to us all the time. Oh, you know, it's so nice. To, like they'll come up and give us a nudge. Like, it's so nice to see two Christians going out and spread, spreading Jesus's message. <laughs> and then like, you know, a few people later, they're like, man, Did you know, really? yes. Funny. And then they'll come up and they'll say, you know, to see two young men like you going around and spreading the teachings of Buddha is so encouraging. <laughs> and, 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 you know, any religion that gets presented to me, that's kind of how I look at it. I'm like, is this a, it, does this religion exclude or does it include? Mm -hmm. And and for me, that is kind of, uh, I guess, one of the main identifying marks of, of uh, my beliefs, I guess. Maybe you could have an official statement for the minimalists <laughs> is that we are trans-religious in all that we do. I love that. And we, we're, we're, we're trans-binary religious. Maybe you're, you're, you're official, like we are trans-religious. We work to create a space where people from every tradition or no tradition feel welcome to pursue with us the issues of deepest fullness and vitality. So see, Sean, all you have to do is isolate that. Anytime <laughs> we get a question about religion, I'll, so, just, I'll have it on like the little soundboard. Yes. You have That's no good. problem with these traditions to the degree to which these traditions help shape the kinds of people. Yeah. And don't harm. Yes. And I want to be clear that minimalism is not, I don't feel like minimalism is a substitute for these things. I don't feel yeah. like I don't feel like someone could stop being a Christian and then you know take up this philosophy <laughs> and still feel fulfilled. Um, I think minimalism <laughs> is a tool. Well, you know, sticking with the the religious theme, look at all the the, the major prophets in any religion. Like there is one major thing they all have in common, and that's all living a simple life. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, again, I don't think I don't think minimalism is a supplement, but I certainly think it's a tool that could help. I think uh, that's a good transition to our next question here from Sarah in Virginia. 
So I almost study minimalism and simplicity as a form of religion because I can't relate to most religions. But I believe in God and that we are all one and connected and find that this topic gives me inspiration and encouragement to live a better life. Do you have any recommended resources that you've came across that have to do with spirituality and minimalism? Also, my second question is, have you considered a way to have many groups for meetups by state on your website? I've been a member of your D.C. and New York City meetup, but I'm moving to a rural Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia. Any suggestions on meeting like-minded individuals in rural communities would be helpful. I'm envisioning something similar to, like, a local free cycle group. Thank you. Bye. All right, Josh, you know of any local meetup groups that Sarah can go to? I think we could go plant some minimalist churches across America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, we, uh, we, de- we, we do have minimalist.org uh, is what Sarah was referring to, where basically if you go to minimalist.org, there's probably, in the United States, there's probably a city within a couple hours of you that will host local meetup groups. The reason yeah, why, Free local meetup groups. Yeah, and the reason why Josh and I did this was because the first tour we went on back in 2011, people would come up to us and they're like, man, this was really awesome and so many cool people here. Um, what, other, what other things can I be part of to be around these people? And how, how, can I, how can I hang out with these people? Yeah. And Josh and I are like, uh, Facebook? Like, okay cupid like we didn't really have a good answer so when we went on tour in 2014 we set up uh these uh, 100 meetup groups um most of them in in north america but essentially you've got people uh one person specifically in each community who has stepped up to say yeah i will facilitate these groups there's no agenda or anything like that it's it's people getting together very much like what you saw in los angeles just kind of a smaller version of that um, well, she said she said like-minded too, and right. I, would, I would actually caution against that. I I don't want to always meet with just like-minded people, right? In fact, I, I want to meet with non-like-minded people quite a bit to get me outside of my comfort zone. So maybe open-minded is a better way to to sort of talk about that, right? How do how do I connect with open-minded people locally? And and she she said one thing. She said, I, I study minimalism as a, as a form of religion. And, and mm. that's why I said that was a good transition from the last question, because it's certainly not that right. Um, it is, it, it is simply a, a philosophy of, of simple living for us. But she, she mentioned that we are all connected, but then of course she's lost this sense of connection in a way. Mm. So I, I don't know what your guys thoughts are or what you can tell Sarah here about, about the the connectedness because we're in a world that's more connected than ever i say that with vocal quotes here but it's also less connected yeah. than, than we've ever been and, and she asked for um some resources on you know what maybe she could look at to help her get reconnected what like like what do you what do you, what do you read man i know what you read Rob, what do you read, Andrew? <laughs> no, I'm just I read kidding. a bunch of books Rob gives me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I read all of Rob's books. <laughs> no, I read all kinds of stuff, but I think I think more than resources, I think what's interesting is I talk to a lot of people that say that same thing because they stopped going to church mm-hmm. and then they realized that, you know, church had a really useful it was it was nice because they had a meal together or they had like a you know what I mean? Like there was a thing, yeah. like it it was an anchor in their community. And so there's a lot of people that now have to figure out like, how do you do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Um I go surfing with some people. There are people that hike, you know, I run with people. You guys have these events, you have these groups. Like, I think that's what's, um, that's what's, you know, at, that's one of the risks uh, of being lost, I think. Mm. Even going back to what I was saying about we're figuring out all the things we don't believe in, but then it's kind of like, but what are those things that 
still anchor us together. Um, you have this line in the film, Rob, where you yeah. say, we think we're looking for solutions, but really we're looking for solidarity. And I think at the very best of religion, that was what it was designed to do. It was really designed to say, we're in this thing together. Yeah. It, you know what, in the film too, Rob, you said, embrace the unraveling. Hmm. Oh, that's a Pete, that's Pete Rollins, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unraveling and unraveling. Oh, yeah, that was Rollins thing. too, man. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I wrote that down here. Because <laughs> He's going to kill you. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Pete Rollins, I He's love, and, re- right I love and respect you. <laughs> I hope we meet one day. Please, please forgive me for <laughs> misquoting you. <laughs> But as he says, this is your last day. It'll sound so charming. <laughs> will. That you'll be I fine will, with it. You'll be like, apparently charmed. this is my last day. I'll be charmed to death, literally. <laughs> but, but, but the unraveling is, it is a process, I think, uh, that Sarah should embrace. This isn't a, um, it's not, it shouldn't be a scary. It is scary, but we don't have to make it that scary, I guess. So, yes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I would say to Sarah, that it's easier to give birth than raise the dead. Mm. So what does a gathering or tribe look like that would that could sustain the kind of life she wants? So start it in your living room with a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody brings a meaningful quote or paragraph or song. Like keep it as just straightforward we're having this meal, everybody's bringing something, and bring some snippet, paragraph, page, quote that has somehow fed you at some deeper level. Yeah. Even call it spiritually inspired you or something. You could keep it really, and everybody, I mean, start there. Yeah. And what I you're seeing that. is people realizing that when they, like Andrew said, they previously looked to institutions mm. to organize, facilitate things. And what you're seeing now is people realizing, well, I could actually do that. Yeah. I, I don't need a cathedral in order to have a group of people. My meet. backyard. Yeah. I don't need to go to a temple. The whole thing is a temple. Mm. Um, so I would a- ask Sarah, like, that's the really interesting thing about this moment is you have people who are lonely mm-hmm. who realize, but there are other people who are lonely. And that right there, it's like in math and the kid when they're like, wait, two negatives equal a positive? What? Um <laughs> Just gathering together in your loneliness does something to negate the loneliness. So what yeah. is that gathering that if you went to it, you'd be like, I could have done this. Yeah. What's yeah. it look like? Probably involves food, probably involves good art, probably involves some sort of shared mission. Is there something locally that you could all pitch in money to that you could serve at? It probably involves something larger than yourself. Otherwise it becomes a country club. Yeah. Right. Now that just gets interesting. People start asking those questions. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the contribution is, is often a big part of that. You had a guy named Levi Gardner, the gardener on your podcast recently. <sighs> and that guy awesome. It was so great. He has this little plot of land. Someone's loaning to him in Grand Rapids. And uh, it, it, talk about creating a community space it's it's around growing food in this like vacant lot and and all of a sudden people are showing up and it's bringing it's a sense of community and and uh it reminded me i was having a coffee with a mutual friend of ours uh, lewis howells yesterday and uh he 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 and i were talking about about the documentary and i remember on his podcast he asked you hey rob do you still go to church and you said what do you think we're doing right now? <laughs> I love that. And those two really connect to me. like Because if you feel this sort of obligatory sense, I must show up, I must uh, perform this sequence of, of ritual or whatever, 
uh, that's different from how can I contribute and, and asking these, these questions of how can I connect? How can I contribute? Well, what does this mean to be a part of something greater than, than myself? Yeah. Well, let's talk about books. I'm, I was actually interested to see what you were going to say about books on because she specifically asked any recommendations any recommendations for resources about spirituality yeah so do, do you have any books that you've read that i mean obviously like uh well i'm not gonna say obviously but um i know that you've read sam harris's waking up yeah which is a great book on kind of like the science behind spirituality almost yeah. but here's here's something fascinating i think two of the biggest influences on on that side of my life whether you want to call it spirituality whatever you want to call it is rob bell and sam harris yeah and it's like I think it's weird because people often look at them like they're two completely different people. But I think the Venn diagram between Sam Harris and Rob Bell is like 80 or 90 percent. And he may be turned off by the term spirituality and he's trying to reclaim it, which I actually really like the fact that he's like, OK, it's a it's a guide to spirituality without religion is, is his book waking up. Mm-hmm. But I think you all are often talking about similar things. You're Absolutely. approaching them from completely different Absolutely. angles. Yeah. And and I've had quite a few people mention like, hey, you guys talk about Sam Harris sometimes in the podcast or he was in your documentary. Or you, you had Rob Bell on the podcast. Like it's fascinating. That you have these these two different sides. And so I think no matter what the resources are try to find the different angles that are appealing to you and sometimes find the angles that are a bit of a turnoff yeah because sometimes you'll realize like once you get past the thing that the the dogma that you had in your head mm-hmm. w- once you're able to sort of shed that that surface layer the facade y- you get into a a home that is that is truly beautiful yeah it's like like the first so i've got a, a couple resources written down here the first one i've written down is eckhart tolle's the power of now and for me like that i had to take that approach with eckhart tolle because I don't, I am not, I am not that woo wooey. Um, there are a lot of things that I disagree, um, but but uh, that book was one of the best books I've ever read. But when it comes like, to is, spirituality, isn't that that is a good book? But isn't that kind of like a an, a, a, an old religious mindset anyway that you can't learn from something you don't agree with? Like when did that um, ever begin to be the like? Right. Yeah. No. And, and right. I'll t- I read that book uh, eight, ten years ago maybe, mm-hmm. and and that is that is when I started coming out of it. That is when I started realizing like, oh, if you're gay, God isn't going to kill you. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that so, does make sense. That does make I know. <laughs> but, but, but I started coming out of it. So I understand. Then, then I, I, understand. Started, I started going after different stuff. But like um, Eckhart Tolle, I, lo- I love that, that the power now because it helped me um, get a firmer grasp on the ego. Like anytime that I feel all prideful like i because of that book like i have a tool that i can look at that pride and say hey ryan it's great that you feel good buddy but when you act out that doesn't make other people feel good and uh and i can actually look at these different emotions that i have these spirit that i feel are spiritual emotions that i can totally deal with because of a book like that but yeah uh again to the point of go out and read stuff sarah if you're a christian go read the quran I mean, it, seriously, like go out and make yourself uncomfortable and at least look at something else instead of listening to what clergy has to say or what friends in your religion who you really respect have to say. Um, what they say about one religion doesn't necessarily mean that's what it is. I would I would just, yeah, again, encourage to go out and at least look at something and say, yes, you know what? They're right. That's crazy. Or Wow you know what, maybe they're not looking at it a certain way or or maybe, uh, you know, Sarah here sees it in a different way. Um, but yeah, certainly reading things that make me uncomfortable helped me grow more than anything with my with my spirituality. 
do you have any books that you would recommend or like besides you know obviously besides all of your books and <laughs> just go one at a time and recommend yeah, every one, one of your books <laughs> um i think rumi's big red book is really 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 been huge to me I'm rumi r-u-m-i is a 12th century sufi mystic um and, and the compendium of his works is called the big red book and it will yeah, that's fairly amazing. I think Sarah might love uh, Diana Butler Bass is a scholar who wrote a book called Grounded. And essentially her premise is that for thousands of years, people had a three-tiered view of the universe. There's a God up there, raise your prayers up, send it up, and then God comes down. So there's a three-tiered view, and then there's the earth, and then below the earth must be some sort of place where darker things happen. Right. Mm. Um, and that prayer then was trying to get the being who's up there to come down here and intervene. Mm. And her argument as a scholar is that that God died in the Holocaust because that God did not come down and show up. Mm. So that entire framework for thinking about spirituality has died essentially in, in the modern mind mm. and that you have these new images. This is why her book is called Grounded of the idea of the divine is the And a man named Paul Tillich talked about the ground of your being so instead of is this religion right and that religion wrong, what is the ground of our being? And what is the nature of it? Is it love? Is it hate? Is it inclusion? Is it exclusion? Um, but she might, that's a book that's like gives you this great, oh, that's what's happening. And that's why certain things used to work and don't work anymore. Um, and then there's endless, I think uh, she would love Anne Lamott's work. Okay. Like Traveling Mercies. There's a whole body of work by Anne Lamont that's just fantastic. Bird by bird. Josh, I can't wait for bird this. Bird by bird. I can't wait for the show notes so I can go back and <laughs> read shall, this stuff. Sean, will you put all these in the show notes, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could go. I could. Uh, yeah, there's endless. No, that's, the, I mean, to recommend. I mean, we don't want to give them a whole library to read, but that's. that's Which we could those do. Are, yeah, those are <laughs> some great recommendations. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right, let's move on. we got to get these guys out of here after our, our lightning round. Uh, we'd love to hear what y'all have to say, though. If you're at home listening to this, you have a comment or tip about religion or, or spirituality or heresy or you know, hair advice, whatever it may be, uh, inclu including <laughs> advice for any of our callers today, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com, where are our favorite comments and tips at the end of each episode. Ryan, what time is it? It is time for our lightning round, where we answer questions from social media. Indeed, we do. We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at The Minimalists uh, during the lightning round. This is where Ryan and I both do our best to answer each question with just a, a short shareable less than 140 character response we call them minimal maxims and hopefully rob and andrew will join us and i know you don't have anything prepared so you can maunder on a bit before you get your your tweetable bit or we'll tweeze out a, a tweetable tweetable bit for you um and we also put all these uh, minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our our pithy answers on on social media if you'd like you can find all of our our pithy quotes in one place now over at minimalmaxims.com ryan <laughs> what I know, that's me. All right. <clears throat> Our first question is from Mike. Did a lot of pain come with the church turning its back on you? And if so, have you been able to move past it? And do you accept the title of heretic like a badge or do you simply shake it off? So mm -hmm. this question is mostly for you, Rob. Um, how, what do you think? It's, 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 I'm fascinated by, by the way he decided to phrase that, right? The church turning... It's back on you. I don't even know if you, you feel mean that by way. the church. Yeah. I just never had that sort of narrow 
hierarchical view of the church. I always saw there was this world of people who were all hungry for depth, were hungry for meaning, were hungry for significance, were hungry for a story that might actually bring the world the healing and hope and direction it needs. So uh, I reclaimed, I stumbled into the sermon when the band I was in broke up. I discovered the sermon as an art form for everybody, not for religious people over in the corner, but as a as the original art form, somewhere between guerrilla theater, performance art, a this TED is Talk. High, high school, college This time? is uh, early 20s. Okay. Somewhere between guerrilla theater, performance art, a TED Talk, a revival and recovery meeting. I had this <laughs> sense like the sermon, Martin Luther King, I have a dream, that was a sermon. Yeah. Um, and so I set out to create these spaces where people could help wake up. So that's always what it was like. So somebody over in the corner who didn't like it, it just was it was always kind of irrelevant, to be honest. Mm. So um, I just kept going. Yeah. And I'm so, still so, here, and I'm enjoying I, it more than ever. So that's how I'd answer that is I said yes to something, and I just kept pursuing it. 25 years later, I'm still pursuing it. I love it. And, and, and that changes over time, right? I mean, so, It's like so, a long, slow evolution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you started a, a church in, in the late 90s, and that served its purpose for a particular yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I did that for a while, and it was amazing. And yeah. then you have to keep going. Right, right, because if you continue to, to live the same way that you lived before, I'd still be playing with G.I. Joes. <laughs> Are you not? That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for I, I, it's important to think about it for a reason, for a season, and that many people have a very static view of their life, which is this is what I do, and mm-hmm. so I guess I do this till I die. But um, if you think about earlier agricultural settings, you have seasons, you have planting, you have harvest, you have the barrenness of winter things yeah. start and they reach their peak and then they fade and they're over and then a new thing starts mm-hmm. so sometimes you need to leave that job because it's good mm. like that was a chapter otherwise I, what, what could become what was a graduation can become a divorce you stay too long right yeah. so I think you have to move to more dynamic like agricultural metaphors for life which is this is what I'm doing this is where the ground is fertile and then I'll know when it's time for this season to end, the next one to start. You yeah. said something the other night that I wrote down, I, which is wh- whipped my iPhone out and started typing some stuff. You said, calling is overrated, curiosity is underrated. <laughs> yes. And and I think that's what we're, because sometimes we live, we're, we're constantly living in the rear view. Oh, remember the high school football game? Remember that job that I had or that accomplishment that, that felt really great at the time? And it's good, celebrate the accomplishment. But, but when we dwell on it for too long, or here's the other side of it, or we're constantly looking toward that next accomplishment, the next goal, the next achievement, the next attainment, and then we get there and we're more miserable than ever. And and I, I found that, that, Rob, I think the thing that you do really well is, I mean, you, you wrote a book, you, How to Be Here. And so like, it's it's the it's the work, it's the cre- the craft, the, the creation, that that is the thing that gets yes. you up. It's not the... Man, if this could only sell a hundred thousand more copies, then I'll be happy. Yeah. And I think that's that's where we get caught up. We get so caught up on on the the surface of things, the how many tweets or retweets, how many Instagram followers, whatever it is, and we lose sight of like what is actually what's important in in the now. Yeah. You know, I, I think Rob, it would because this question, it sounds I mean, if I didn't know you in reading this question, I would think the person being asked this question would be like a, like bitter and resentful, <laughs> and um, I think I think the we don't have time for such things. <laughs> we just don't have time for such things. Amen, man. 
but you know, I, I guess the reason why I'm, I'm pointing this out is because for listeners out there, like you had, you, you had, you still have a choice. Like you can look at it and say, man, church turned their back on me. Or you can look at it and, and say, no, like I'm just, I'm going to go to my calling. I'm not going to sit here and victimize or be played a victim. Um, I'm going to do what I need to do. And that's how you uh, can live uh, a meaningful life for yourself. And I think it's it's too often where people will get caught up in the, they were wronged. Uh, they will, they will um, take that victim role because it's easier to do that than it is to really stand up for you yeah. know what you truly right, believe right, in. Right, right, And it's important, uh, a, a mantra that, that helps me is, um, and then what? Mm. Like if you're going to get a tattoo, forget barbed wire or a Chinese symbol, get, and then what? So they wronged you. And then what? Mm. So they fired you. And then what? Yeah. Because you otherwise you are giving that person so much power over you that they don't deserve. So you see people energetically and spiritually handing others power left and right. Mm. Look what she did to me and how it has shaped my life. That, that person does not deserve to have that kind of hold over your heart and your joy. Mm. So they did that, yes. And then what? Yeah. Because you have today, you have the power of now, what are you going to make today? That's just fundamentally more interesting. Yeah. It reminds me of a guy named Jocko Willink. He always says, good. And when something screws up in his life, <laughs> he says, good. No, like, no, no, like, no. He says, good. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> He's a giant former Navy <laughs> yeah. SEAL. But uh, yeah, he, he, he just constantly, you know, oh, you know, whatever. The, the project failed or the plane, fl- the, the flight was canceled. Good. Like, what did I learn from this? Because otherwise, it, it, to me, it's the same thing. So there's his pithy answer, Sean, for the show notes. And then what? Uh, my, <laughs> mine is, is similar to kind of what Rob was talking about. We must, we must walk away to move on, right? I think sometimes we, we're trying to move on, but we're staying in the same place, just sort of spinning around and, and, and wondering. Uh, we're, we're staying tethered to where we are, and we're not walking away. So I think sometimes you just have to walk away in order, in order to move on. And that's it, not a bad thing. In fact, like you said, sometimes you have to leave the job even though you love it. Yeah. Uh, if I, my pithy answer would be you don't need clergy to tell you you're doing a good job at life. And, uh, man, my dad, he doesn't really talk to me because I live with my partner and her and I are not married. I don't think I'll ever get married again. Um, I just, uh, it's something that her and I are not, uh, that's not in our future really. Um, for me to go out of my way to get married just so my dad would talk to me, like that would be, to me that feels wrong. But I guess <clears throat> where I'm going with this is uh, even though even though my dad, uh, you know, doesn't really give me the time of day, um, I cannot, I cannot allow that to um, prevent me from from being the Ryan Nicodemus that I really, really want to be. And there's something that you said when we went to your event in was that Orange County or Laguna Beach? Yeah, somewhere La- down there. Yeah, somewhere down there. I, or am I repeating myself? <laughs> <laughs> One but, is in the other. But you were talking about how you know when you dedicate yourself to your craft or when you when you de- dedicate yourself to um, whatever it is that you're pursuing. Um, you have to accept the consequences that come with that. And there are some heavy consequences with a lot of things that, that some of us accept. And uh, thanks for helping me accept the consequences, man. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> There's always a cost. Yeah. <laughs> All right, our next question is from Overlook. Do we actually choose our beliefs or 
Are they a result of an unconscious process? Rob? Yep. <laughs> Dude, that is the pithiest answer we've ever had in the lightning round. <laughs> yeah, you're a human being. You are a Vitamix of nature and nurture and impulse and instinct and really well thought through intentions and reflexive reptile brain responses to threat assessment. You're all this stuff. Mm. Yeah. So out of that Vitamix of things swirling around in you, that's why a practice, that's why a path, that's why even the idea of a religion can be incredibly helpful is simply to take all of that and give you a path yeah. so that you, your heart might actually be transformed. You might actually be able to take part in the healing of the world. Yeah. He totally stole my pithy answer. Mine was just your, your beliefs or your path to your values. Um, and, and, and that's what, well, often when I talk about having the different beliefs, it's like we, we ultimately end up at the same destination. And, and um, yeah, I agree with that. In fact, I like the Vitamix metaphor a lot better because, you know, it's all just sort of in there, right? You can't, and once it's all blended, yeah, good luck tweezing it out, right? You can't get the blueberries out of the smoothie once it's made. <laughs> Man, and now I just want to prove you wrong somehow with science. <laughs> did you did you know they figured out how to unboil a hard-boiled egg? I swear to God. Anyway. <laughs> Um, my pithy answer is this. We may I not. I thought that was your pithy answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you tweeted should that, if you should, that's a tweet. It is a tweet. Just that. Did you know? <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> that they have figured out. <laughs> my pithy answer would be this. We may not get to choose our beliefs, but we do get to choose how close we hold them. So what I mean by that is there are dogmatics that I have right now I can't get rid of. Like I believe in something more. I still have a lot of the Jehovah's Witness dogmatics, especially the morals and the um, I, I just doing what I believe is in alignment, which is funny because I had to leave the religion to, to, in order to do in order to feel like I was doing something right. But they taught me to do that, which is crazy. Leaving was how you were true to it. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, so I still have these very deep seated beliefs and and dogmas, but I don't take them too seriously. And I get to choose how serious I take them. And I get to choose the lens I look through them. And, and that is, it's the most freeing feeling in the world to be able to, to, to do that and, and to say like, yeah, here's what I, here's, here's kind of where I sit now. Um, but it might be different next year and that's all right. <laughs> well, there's a, there, isn't there like so much humility that comes from that, that sense of like my experience, like my beliefs have been shaped by the experiences that I've had, where I was born, when I was born, you know, all those things. The things that really have moved or changed something inside of me usually have become when I have had an experience, when I've, when I've gone somewhere, when I've seen something, when I've experienced something, um, yeah. which gives me a ton of humility for anyone who believes something different than me. Absolutely. And it also gives me a ton of humility for just how much is out there that I've never experienced. I mean, like I'm living in this one little sliver mm. of one little take on reality on this planet at this time, you know? Like my, my experience is so small. So like, it just always makes me wanna stay in that posture. I think about it because a lot of my work is listening to people and I, I think about that posture of a student. Um, I, why would we wanna slam the door on that? Right. Why would we want to get done with school or why would we want to 
there's such a yeah. there, there's so, like we value the certainty of like the person on the news show that has the you know <laughs> but well, like isn't there so much more joy and so much more like honestly like so much more life in in realizing I'm a different person than I was five years ago, ten years ago. Yes. I'm going to be a different person ten, ten years from now. I'm going to look back at myself and be like, "Oh my god, you were still doing that. Mm, <laughs> you were I still hope addicted so. to that. You still believed that." But like, that's freeing to be like, "Man, I'm glad I worked through that." Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna if I disagree <clears throat> with you, I'm going to do it lightly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what you identified is, and what Andrew's talking about is, there is um, what you believe, and then equally as important is how you hold that belief. Mm. And a lot of people miss that distinction that there is the conviction and then there is how you hold it. And there is a white knuckling of a belief mm. which crushes the belief and drains the life right out of it. And then there is an open palm, which is how you hold it, which means this matters. Might, I might even die for this. And yet I also am always as a lifelong student open to it changing and morphing. Yeah. And so you'll often notice people who they're right, but in a wrong way um, is because they are holding it wrongly, which is just as important as what the belief is in the first place. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Three tweets in a row. That's great. <laughs> That's man. several. One Sean tweets one, those one out. Two. Yeah. We'll, we'll throw them in the show notes. Let's get Megan's question. We got one other question here from uh, Giselle. How do we keep our souls most alive? Now, we're going to answer this question. We, each week we do a something called the Minimalist Private Podcast. It's a postscript episode where we answer a, a bonus question for our Patreon supporters. If you want to support us, just head on over to theminimalists.com and click donate at the top. That keeps this podcast 100% advertisement free because, well, advertisements suck. You also get access to our, our monthly live streams. Uh, it's called Ask the Minimalist Anything. Recordings from our live events. We just put out Philly and Tampa and Detroit and DC recently. We've got some others coming soon. And uh, we're in this new studio space, which still has the temporary furniture and, and not all the equipment, but uh, we're going to give you a video tour of the new studio space that you're helping support. So thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. We'll dive into that question in a moment. But first, Ryan, let's move on to our added value portion of the show. It's where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. And since we have Rob and Andrew here mm -hmm. today, I think we might as well go ahead and and, and make it Rob and Andrew centric. Uh, um, I think that's appropriate. And <laughs> um, first thing I'll recommend is uh, the Robcast for those of you who don't listen to it. It's yeah. a great podcast. Uh, if you're looking for an episode to, to start with, we've talked about uh, Pete Rollins uh, recently. He did an episode about parables and it was so good. And he has, he has a new podcast out now too. Uh, he's reclaimed the word fundamentalist and uh, it's called The Fundamentalists. But uh, Rob had a great conversation about parables with Pete and uh, you you seemed like just fascinated. You just like let him do his thing, and that's and what you do with Pete Rounds. I think so, man. <laughs> he's uh, he's great. So that's episode one eighty three. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, uh, I got to recommend True Cost if if uh, people haven't seen it. Um, that is, uh, it's the it's the documentary that I wish we would have done, man. It's it's really good because it it just dives into what really goes into our consumption. And uh, if you're if you haven't seen it. Um, it will it will truly change the way you perceive uh, the way the world consumes. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, especially with respect to clothing, fashion industry, it's uh, it, it's a good introduction or at least uh, maybe a follow up to watching The Heretic. Yeah, uh, two totally different films, and, and that's impressive in and of, in and of itself because you didn't do you know True Cost two with Rob Bell. Um, 
Yeah, it, well, the, the, the we two, tried. He wouldn't sign on. It was no, <laughs> never close. Two completely different things. Also, if you have children, uh, Rob has a audio book for a book that doesn't exist called Launching Rockets. It's like 17 observations on 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 parenting but it's not just with rob uh, he brings Kristen in so you can just fast forward to that part and uh, listen to Kristen's uh, observation on his observations it's very kafka-esque um but uh it's i think it's great man and and here's here's the fascinating thing i found out about you rob is you had some really good observations about parenting and i have a four-year-old now and so i've tried to apply those to my own life but the thing that told me that you were a really good parent is when you brought your son uh, trace onto onto the podcast and just like had him talk about politics and the nature of the world and I saw how <laughs> man he was he's he's a 35 year old on a 17 year old's body so so just uh, no other words for that other than bravo and congratulations man that's very kind of you yeah you you and Kristen have uh, raised at least one good kid I haven't heard the other two kids on the podcast yet. Um, but uh, let's move on to right here right now is where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Just a few things here. We're starting a video version of this podcast this summer. If you want to subscribe to that, you can do so at youtube.com slash the minimalists. Also, my partner, Rebecca, you probably know her from minimalwellness.com. She has a 23-day wellness reset uh, going on in May of this year. And uh, she takes on 30 students at a time and sort of helps them reset their their diet, their health, their wellness. And um, so those, those tend to sell out pretty far in advance. But if you're interested in that, it's a 23-day reset over at minimalwellness.com. If you want all the show notes, you keep hearing us talk about the show notes that Sean, podcast Sean here creates. Uh, you can just sign up for our email list at the top of our website. We'll never send you spam because that stuff's gross. But we'll also send you any new writings that we put out, any new essays, anything like that. Ryan, you got anything else for us? Finally, here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Sienna from Orange County, California. I just have an idea for all the artists out there with their supplies. Um, my fiancé and I had an idea a while ago to start kind of like a gym, but for artists where you have a membership and instead of having like a cardio section and a weight section, you have a painting section or a pottery section or something like that. We don't have the resources right now to start one ourselves, but if there's anybody out there who has the resources and is super into art, we've always thought that would be a really cool idea so artists didn't have to have all their own supplies. They could just have a membership and show up and create art and then go. Hi Ryan and Josh, this is Amanda from Melbourne. I'm so excited to be coming to your live show tonight. About a year ago, after listening to a few of your podcasts, I decided to start decluttering my house. I struggled getting started though, as the whole task felt too overwhelming. Luckily for me, I had a good friend who was in the same situation and we agreed to join forces. For the last 12 months, my friend Sam and I spent every Friday together, alternating between her house and mine, helping each other work our way through every cupboard, shelf and storage area. Some weeks have been really emotionally stressful. Some have seen us covered from head to toe in dust. But we have donated and thrown away hundreds of kilograms of no longer needed items and have had a lot of fun along the way. Hi guys, uh, my name's Sally from Victoria, Australia. I wanted to share with you an app I heard about on Dan Harris's 10% Happier podcast. Ironic, I know, but I'm trying to reduce the apps I have on my phone, I swear, but I found this one to be quite meaningful. The app's called We Croak, and for 99 cents, 
Uh, you get a reminder five times a day at random times that you're going to die. I know this sounds a little grim, but it has truly had a really positive impact on my day-to-day life. Overall, I, I would say I've tried to embrace the goal of living my life according to my values, but on a daily basis, I know I can easily be troubled and distracted by the little things. Being randomly reminded throughout the day that I'm going to die has meant that in the moment, I'm not sweating the small stuff as much. I've noticed shifts in my behaviour in small ways, I guess, say getting off Twitter um, more quickly when I find that I'm down that rabbit hole. Uh, I'm putting down a book, say, that I'm not enjoying um, or even like lighting a favourite candle just because for no reason and not thinking that I should save it for another day. I don't know why I would do that anyway. Uh, Bigger reflections I've also noticed such as not caring so much about what people think I found that I am moving on more quickly from mistakes that I've made um, and most importantly to me it's really emphasized on a daily basis the connections that I have with the people I love and how much I want to um, focus on on those people. So I found this app really valuable and I hope fellow listeners might find this too. All right, y'all, before we, we dive out of here, I just want to say thank you real quick to Rob and say uh, yeah, thank you, you to Andrew. Awesome. You guys are Thanks just so amazing. I'm That's grateful that you, you decided to spend some time with us. I hope folks check out The Heretic. And uh, if they want to check you out online, they can go to your socials. They can go. Well, you're not really on the socials. You are a little bit, right? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> uh, but check out The Heretic. It's on uh, iTunes and Amazon. And Rob, uh, robbell.com is, is the hub for all of your work. Yep. And uh, really grateful you decided to spend some time with us. If, uh, if you're at home, you listen to this, and you have uh, a question for The Minimalist, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so tear your eyes away or tear